0: Hey, bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today, back in the bubble for yet another podcast crossover episode, is Sean from Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and welcome back.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I, I have to admit, Jen, that usually when I guest on someone else's podcast, and they always say the nice things like, we can't wait to have you back, Usually that means we don't want you to actually come back, but not only did you invite me back, it feels like it was just like last month that we did, uh, whatever movie we did. My brain is so tired. <laughs> Nightcrawler. <long> yeah. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Right. Like it feels like it was just like last month or whatever. So the fact that you said, not only do I want you to come back, let's do it soon. I was stoked. So Yay! thank you so much for having me back. I can't wait.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, that was such a great episode. It was a lot of fun to talk about. Maybe not the most fun movie, but it was, you made it fun and I had a blast. So, um, and before we get started, I just have to say with your uh, Clueless episode, I, I loved it. And it, the funny thing is, I just have to say, when you when you got all worked up about the IMDB quote trivia, Right there with, you. yeah <laughs> that was just like someone just wanted to type something, yeah, a, a partial sentence. It didn't even feel like a full sentence. But then when you guys got to your trivia part, um, I answered in unison with Megan Carla, <laughs> and I'll, all by myself, and I just i it made me laugh, and I'm like, oh, I love that movie. And it was so much fun listening to the clue your guys's clueless episode. It was great.
1: I'm glad you had a good time. It's funny. So we've been doing the you know the game now for the for the podcast about six months now, and that episode is the only episode where every answer, every question was answered. Mm-hmm. Um, like the next week, almost like none of them were it was like a half point, you know like I mean, most don't get them all right but we we did and the fact like the ones the two that they got wrong i got right was kind of amazing honestly so
0: yeah because they got the one they got wrong was like rodeo drive yeah and i was i was driving home from work and i have like a three minute drive so i only got like a i got like through that part but i was screaming in my car at them <laughs> <laughs> so I just, that was, that was a lot of fun to listen to. So you guys were great. And yeah, I just talked about one of my all-time favorite movies. So you did a good job. I I approve. (laughs) So, but we are not here to talk about Clueless. Sean is here today to help me navigate through the dreamy labyrinth. That is 2010's inception, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Elliot Page, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe, Cillian Murphy, and more. This film is written and directed by Christopher Nolan, which explains his little rogue gallery of actors and is available on HBO Max or from your local library. This movie is the second in the uh, second movie in the latest series of, called Movies Jen Hasn't Seen mm-hmm. from a list of IMDb's top 100 movies, which Sean, I believe you had shared and I had replied to. Uh, and since I'd only seen just over half the list, I decided to try and finish the list for the pod so the original title was much much longer and funnier because i love ridiculously long and unnecessarily long titles but i decided to shorten up for and just keep it nice and short and sweet sure so we'll get right into it spoiler warning and brief synopsis of the movie and this is what imdb says a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea in the, into the mind of a CEO. But his tragic past may doom the project and his team to disaster. My little uh, tiny write up that I have for this uh, is just a visually captivating dream heist in a dream heist in a dream heist. So. Sean, general thoughts on the movie and why pick this movie to make me watch?
1: (laughs) So I, first of all, I'll simply say is that I I love this movie. It's probably my favorite Christopher Nolan film. It might be a tie with Batman Begins. Um, I actually like Batman Begins over The Dark Knight. I know I'm in the minority there, but that's fine but I, I really like this movie a lot. This is one of those movies that I, I, I know it's a long run time. Okay. It it is a long run time. It's like two and a half. Yeah. It's two and a half hours. So it's a bit of a time commitment, but it's just one of those that it's, I, I'm great just to sit down and watch anytime. I just, I love it so much. I really do. The reason why I wanted you to watch it, I'm making you watch it is one. I think everyone should watch this. And two this now makes the third time that I will have reviewed this movie. So, uh, I, when it, on the list of movies I saw, I was like, well, I guess I could do it again. And so, so here I am doing this movie again, mainly because the last time I was, I guessed it on someone else's show and we did this movie, they, they hated the movie because they didn't understand it. And I was doing the best that I could to explain the movie. And they still just didn't get it. Like they couldn't grasp anything about the movie. And so I thought I almost felt like it was my fault that they didn't fully grasp what the movie was about. So I thought, you know what? I have to make sure Jen understands this movie.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I, I'm so glad that you made me watch this movie because I loved it. Now, I went in, cause I heard very, very little about the movie. It had to do with like dreams or something and like a twist, but I, I misunderstood cause I didn't read too much into it or follow too much of the movie when it first came out. Cause I was like, I didn't want spoilers. I figured I'd get to it eventually. And eventually I did. So I knew that it was a confusing movie and that I really had to pay attention. So there was no playing games on my phone and I I took some notes, but it was kind of hard to take notes because I was really trying to pay attention. And so I was prepared for it to be twisty and confusing and all of that and all the dreams within a dream. So I felt like I fo- I think I followed along pretty well. And I I just really love movies that and shows that kind of make you question reality what is reality is this reality is our dreaming world a reality or is it something more technology based and this movie for me had kind of like a black mirror kind of feel to it like it could belong in the black mirror universe so and i and i love black mirror so i was all for it so i i really really liked it it is a long runtime, but I felt like the movie was very well paced and I didn't feel like it really dragged anywhere. And I loved, I liked the story. I liked the whole concept of dreams within dreams, within dreams and implanting uh, ideas into someone's mind and everything. Ooh, it's just so twisty and weird. I loved it. So we'll go ahead and we'll just kind of start with uh, Cobb played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Mal, who is his wife, and I didn't get the actress's name down, so I'm gonna try and look that up real quick. Um, uh,
1: it's um, uh, Marion uh, Cotillard, Yillard. I can't sure. pronounce her. She, she's
0: friendly. <laughs> okay, and, and I know I've seen her in other things, but yeah, I just, I didn't get her name down, but so thank you, um, but what did you, what are your thoughts on Cobb and Mal and kind of that whole thing?
1: yeah so so the beginning of the movie right when we're introduced to her right you know uh, joseph gordon levitt goes oh she's here right like because at the in the when the movie starts we don't know that we're in a dream Mm -hmm. so when she shows up like we don't really know what to make of her yet and then you know peace you know eventually you start to kind of learn like oh well they obviously have a relationship right but then when you find out that oh that's his wife and it's his dead wife it's like oh wow this this is gonna be complicated like this is this is some heavy stuff right the movie movie jumps into it pretty quickly that Mm -hmm. you know cobb Cobb's got issues Mm -hmm. and it's it stems a lot because because of his guilt because he kind of you know he kind of broke his wife and that's why she killed herself Mm -hmm. and so this movie, you know, go, goes into that a lot, into into guilt. I mean, there's 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 lots of guilt in this movie, right? Like, there's the guilt there. There's the guilt between uh, Postelwaite, the the empire mogul,
0: mm-hmm. and yep. his
1: son, who is again, it's a it's a Christopher Nolan film, so he uses the same people, right? So like, yeah. I, I see Cillian Murphy in this movie, and I'm thinking, oh, it's Scarecrow, Scarecrow. from Batman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I see Ken Watanabe Saito, who is, uh, he's also in Batman Begins and, you know, so, and then Marion uh, Mal, she plays in the third Batman movie. So she's in oh, Dark Knight Rises.
0: okay. That's right. See, I knew, I knew her. <laughs> yeah.
1: You've seen her, you've seen her before. She's yeah. in, she's in other things too. She's mostly just, you know, French things, but, uh, she was in, uh, other things like something. Well, let's see. Anchorman 2 for for some reason. <laughs> and public enemies. I said she's in a lot of Oh, she's in Big Fish too. She's in Big Fish. So. Nice. Anyway, she's in things. Yeah. She's a good she's a good actress. But yeah, and then there's there's other, you know, there's uh some other things. So, yeah, their relationship is is really interesting and it's I mean, ultimately it's it's you know, relationship it's a it's the mo- it's the trope of one, you know, a partnership, one of them dies and the other one can't let go. They can't mm-hmm. cope with it. They can't move on with their life. And then they finally have to come to terms with it and let them go so they can move on and grieve and and whatever. That that story is as old as storytelling itself. But this movie just tells it in a really interesting way because that grief can literally manifest itself in a way that can hurt other people. Mm-hmm uh in a a way that grief can't normally hurt others like with bullets and things
0: right yeah i i thought it was i i really liked so okay so initially i i just i didn't trust cobb there was something i don't know i spent like the majority of the movie i mean all the way up until about the end where i'm like no no there's got to be something more like when he's telling the story about mal and uh when he's first telling it to uh what's the character's name I couldn't ever pronounce it right Ariadne
1: it's a weird name
0: it's a weird name so um but yeah when he's kind of first we first see uh, first he's first telling uh telling her everything about Mal and but there was just something that that seemed off and I didn't so I didn't trust him and so every time he would talk about Mal or even when we saw what happened on their anniversary in the hotel and everything I was like, I don't, why do I feel like there's going to be like a twist and it's actually like, like, like we're we're just missing a big part of it. And he's even more so responsible, or maybe he's the one that actually died or something. It ended up not being that, but that's quite all right. See, I was prepped to be confused. So I was already working on confusing myself while watching the movie. But I did that. I agree. I thought it was really interesting the way they used the Mal character as this manifestation of like grief and the pain that it can uh, cause and, you know, untreated and, you know, not really dealing with it and kind of him always wanting to still kind of run away because you got to kind of got that sense that, you know, yeah, he's not ready to let go and he still wants to be with be with Mal. Mal? mall
1: it's mal m-a-l but his his the way he says it does make it sound like he's saying mall m-o-l
0: okay because that was kind of confusing when i'm like trying to when i was watching it and i had the closed captionings on i was like no you're not saying it right it drove me nut. drove me a little nuts but um but yeah and then his insistence on you know going deeper and you know the whole like can't use his dreams he can't be the dreamer and he can't be the architect i was just like what is going on? like i just felt like i couldn't trust him and so it's all revealed that you know he's basically heartbroken and sad and all of that and okay fine i'll accept it is what it is but i just thought that was really kind of interesting kind of the way that they told that like you said kind of told that trophy story I really liked it. I thought it was I thought it was cool and she was kind of scary in a couple of scenes where she just kind of stands there or shows up or the way she stares at him or yelling at him or whatever. She was she was kinda of, kinda of scary.
1: Yeah. For for a movie that actually doesn't really have bad guys, she's mm-hmm. kind of a bad guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like they're they're having to fight off the the subconscious, um, militarized, you know, characters that aren't real in Cillian Murphy's brain, mm-hmm. right? They're having to fight those guys, but they're, they're not real. Right. So like when they shoot them, like it doesn't matter. And the movie tells you that too. She's like, are you killing a part of his brain? He's not, they're just projections. They don't, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't do anything. They don't matter. Uh, though it is interesting that even in the dream, you know, like your brain still, lets physics and other things happen right like if you have a gun and you shoot somebody you die like that even even that manifestation even that projection dies Mm -hmm. so to speak so i thought that was interesting
0: absolutely yeah and i did like the one part because you know they're in the dream they're getting shot at and it's uh joseph gordon levitt and tom hardy and it's kind of near towards the end of the movie and tom hardy's character says something about like just Dream a bigger gun. And he just yeah, out yeah, of frame gets- pulls up. I was like, Yes, exactly. Dream the bigger, better cooler things.
1: Yeah. So- yeah, yeah. They're there be yeah, there he's he's firing from cover like a kind of yeah. a generic assault rifle. And that's when Tom Hardy walks up and he goes, You don't don't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. And yeah. then he pulls <laughs> out a grenade launcher and blows <laughs> up the thing. And he's just kind of like, Okay, but here's okay, that that brings me to a problem in the movie. Okay. One of my problems. So If that's what you can do, right, if all you have to do is dream it, right, because when they're in this level, in the city, in the rain, and the whatever, they are in um, uh, Yusef's mind, Mm -hmm. right? So, because that's why it's raining, because he has to pee.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: So, like, they make that joke, which is funny. (laughs) So when he says, don't, you have to be afraid to dream a little bigger. And he pulls out the grenade. So that makes me wonder like, Oh, can, can anyone do that? Right. Can you just manifest mm-hmm. a thing that you need? Cause I honestly have had moments where I have lucid dream, lucid dreamt. I've had lucid dreams mm-hmm. and I can do that. You know, like I've had lucid dreams where I'm like, Hey, there are bad guys coming. I need a weapon. And then I can manifest, a, you know, a a lightsaber or something, you know, though, usually my brain, it makes it real. It has to be something real. Like lightsabers aren't real. I guess that's a poor example, but like, it might be a gun, but it'll only be one I've actually shot before. Okay. And and those are like, like my, uh, my stepfather, not my stepfather, my father-in-law is like hunting rifle. So it's like the most unuseful weapon to have in the situation in my dream. But because I've shot it, that's what my brain allows me to shoot. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, is that they're in this shitty Ford, you know, eight passenger van. Why not dream up like a Hummer? Yeah. Right. Like, why can't they be in like a military armored personnel carrier? Right. So when these bad guys are shooting bullets at them, it doesn't matter. And Yosef doesn't like fall, you know, tumble down the bank and they all almost die. And like you am saying, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: put them in something that is yeah, you know, I just, I guess that's you what know, I'm saying. Like, yeah, if you can dream up a grenade launcher, then you can dream up an armored personnel carrier or something like that. I just, I know that the movie needs to have some stakes, but
0: yeah, well, and I kind of wondered that too in that moment with uh, Tom and jo- Joseph and the grenade launcher and everything. Because yes, it's a dream, and we see Erin um, D. Whatever. Uh, she's the architect, so she's we see everything as she's creating it. And so I'm like, well, if that's the case, can't you just like dream yourself to where you need to be kind of thing? Or, yeah, like when Yusef is stuck on the bridge and getting fired at, could he not just dream all of a sudden and just have a better vehicle? yeah, Like a Hummer or something? So that was, it was kind of like, uh, but at the same time I thought, like I said, I thought this movie was well-paced so I didn't like linger on that too much for the first watch and was just like whatever we're we're in it now in it to win it let's go so but that's a that is a good point
1: yeah <laughs> just again i've better i haven't said this i've probably seen this movie 10 times easily uh i mean at least three times for the various shows mine the other the other two uh podcasts the other one and yours mm-hmm. and i mean i own this on blu-ray i again you know, I, I saw this in the theaters it's probably we're probably close to 10 11 times nice I and mean, there was a time where i would probably just put this on and just have it on in the background mainly because it's you know it's a long movie so it's like oh i'm gonna do chores and my because 2010 i didn't have kids yet mm-hmm. so i could i could put this kind of movie on and walk in and out of a room and not that be that big of a deal so yeah i've seen this movie a bunch of times so those things are you know talking about like the gun and the whatever like mm-hmm. those are the things that i've I I think about, but see, and this is my problem too. And this is a thing that my wife, you know, it drives her crazy is that even if I'm not watching it for the podcast, I'm always kind of watching it with a critical eye. I have a hard time just turning my brain off and just enjoying it. I can, but I have to like actively do that Mm -hmm. because I'm always thinking about something, right? I'm thinking about, Why does the minivan in the movie cars have a mattress? (laughs) Like,
0: oh my God. I never thought about that.
1: See, this is what I think about.
0: God damn it, Sean.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why is there a mattress? Like, where is he? Where is he going with a mattress? No one in that universe needs one. It's only for a bit, but it, it, again, these are the things that I think about. This is what keeps me up at night. Honestly. It's not death and taxes it's it's stuff like that so
0: uh i love it you know and when i'm when i get familiar with stuff or any anything that like my kids have watched a million times that we've been put through we all do the same thing we start picking it apart but it's so funny because like my oldest will do that to like cartoons and you know just anything animated and they'll ask all these like well you know like with spongebob well how is there fire underwater how are they where are the bubbles like all these things and i'm just like oh my god i i know and you get it for me but please shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah what else so okay so this whole concept of the inception and implanting ideas in someone's subconscious and having to go so deep that they to make the idea seem at least to the person that's under that it's their idea what do you think about this that whole concept
1: i think it's a fantastic concept and i think it's super fascinating i mean obviously they explained it early in the movie that um you can't do it at a surface level right if Mm -hmm. you know if like he says if i say don't think about elephants what are you going to think about what are you going to think about elephants but you didn't have the idea i had the idea even though I I told you not to think about the elephants. So the idea in the movie is that not only are we trying to implant an idea, but we have to make it feel like you inspired the idea. And, and they do it in a really interesting way. It's very simple, really. It's just an emotion with his dad, which they kept talking about. It's a complicated relationship, but you know, he had that picture where it shows him as a kid blowing that, Paper kind of pinwheel, Mm -hmm. and so to have that object in the safe at the end of the movie with his dying dad, it gave him some a positive emotional release. So that even when he gets kicked back to the normal world, he probably now has this in the back of his mind this this happy memory of his dad, as opposed to a guy that told him that he was disappointed in him. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets to have this other memory, so. I, I think it's really clever. I think it's a neat idea. I mean of of some of Christopher Nolan's you know, C- Christopher Nolan loves to mess with time, right? A lot of his movies time is a a part of the movie, right? In some form or fashion. The Batman movie's not as much because those are comic book adaptations, but like in The Prestige, you know, we 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 he's kind of fooling with time a little bit. I'm not going to reveal the the big reveal if you don't know what that movie's about, but there's kind of a big fun plot twist and those that not really messing with time, but kind of um, Dunkirk that, that movie okay. is told um, out of, out of sync. It's not told linearly. It's told in different, whatever. Oh. So by the time you get to the end of the movie, you then realize, Oh, this story was not told in linear fa- fashion, which is again, the messing with time. I think tenant is all about t- messing with time. Uh, so he likes to do that in his movies and oh and interstellar too interstellar is huge uh, time it means there's time travel in that movie so he likes to do that so so in this movie when he, when you're kind of fooling around with time once you get into the that third layer of the dream and time at the first la- layer is incredibly slow i i think it would have been a little smart to have time at the second layer, look a little slower too. But maybe having Joseph Gordon-Levitt float around in zero gravity might not—that might have looked weird in in slow motion. So oh, maybe, sure. Yeah. And like, here's like a fun trivia, right? Like the reason why Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and I gotta make sure I say it, Elliot Page, uh, not Ellen Page. She's transitioned, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. But uh, the, her hair is pulled back in a bun because it's hard to have because she's there in zero, zero g yeah so they didn't want to have things like floating around so that's oh. why his hair is slicked back and hers is in a tight bun
0: oh that yeah. makes sense i mean kind of like their costuming in the scene and everything it also made sense so i hadn't really thought about it and i didn't get all the way down um reading through the imdb trivia yeah because i was like i was looked and i was like oh that's a lot i'm just i'm yeah whatever this is
1: yeah. <laughs> this is, is my first
0: lot. watch and that's how i kind of want to keep going at these movies is because i was going to try and watch the movie again and i started it and unironically fell asleep last night (laughs) like 10 minutes in i was very very tired because i was like well maybe i'll get another watch in and try and like pick up on maybe some of the things that i missed or really start thinking about some of these other themes and plot points but i'm like no no i haven't seen these movies it's a top 100 movie according to imdb so i'm just gonna go in with the one viewing (laughs) i don't know how that'll go but so far not so bad but um, but that's really interesting, and I loved, I loved, like, the special effects and just the dreamy feel when, like, JGL is in zero gravity and he's wrapping everybody up to try and get them down into the elevator, or even the fight scene as, like, the van is falling off the bridge I think at that point I don't remember which level but yeah and he's running down the hallway of the hotel but like you know the room is like spinning so he's like on the walls and then on the scene oh my god I loved all of that I loved how yeah. that was filmed I loved how that looked for 2010 no it wasn't that long ago and special effects were just fine you know as they were then and it still looks so good and this is just at home on a tv streaming through HBO not in a theater so I kind of wish I had gone, had uh, had actually seen this one in the theater because my mind would have probably just gone, just blown. Yeah, it,
1: it is heavy special effects. I mean, the, some of the uh, special effects are wrong. Uh, practical effects, right? I mean, the scene where where uh, uh, Arthur, uh, JGL, yes. is running and you know, so the van is is flipping down the thing. So that's why gravity is changing. They just built that hallway on a gimbal right it's just so that they can spin the hallway so and the camera spins with the hallway so it looks like he's going on the ceiling and then the wall and whatever it's just down for him obviously he's just acting with gravity but you know the camera spins with it but but you don't have a perspective like the hallway looks the same but he's the one going all over which is really cool it's a really cool effect and mm-hmm. and that that's been around for forever right i mean mm-hmm. they've been using that 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 technology for a long time but it's still super effective it's just really really cool so yeah the the i mean obviously when you see like the city fold in half right like that's like that's a really cool thing Mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where like you watch it now in 2022 and looking at this movie that was 12 is 12 years old and go i wonder if the director of dr strange saw this movie (laughs) and said okay now I know that we can do that. We're going to, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to do something similar.
0: I completely had that thought. I was, I was like, oh, Dr. Strange, I was like, yeah. it still looks cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't know that that was the, the hallway scene with Arthur was practical, but you could kind of tell, right? Because it just looks like real you know instead of computer generated or superimposed or anything like that and so i kind of wondered and i again i was like nope keep the phone down and just pay attention to the movie but i because i love i mean i'm a big fan of practical effects i think you can accomplish a lot more through practical effects than you can with the biggest budget of computer effects and computer generated all that stuff yeah so that probably explains why I was just kind of really blown away, especially by that scene, because I was like, that it was awesome. I loved it so much.
1: Well, my my biggest uh, argument always of CGI over practical effects is, I mean, yes, Avatar is a beautiful film, and that's almost one hundred percent, you know, computer, right? I mean, there's still actors with motion cap suits on, and they're still acting and emoting, but. Almost nothing that they're interacting with is real. Mm -hmm. But my argument is like, you look at Star Wars, you know, the the first three, the original three, right? Mm -hmm. You and I are of the age that we remember that as kids, we didn't care that Yoda was a puppet. We knew he was a puppet, but to us, he was real. He was a real thing. Then you do the prequels. They CGI Yoda. He's all CGI. So. He doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. He feels like a little CGI thing. And we don't really care about him as much. At least I don't. You and I don't, right? Our, right? our age and older don't. My son still loves him. My son doesn't care because he, you know, my son's 10. So he saw, I made him watch a four, five, and six first before we went back and watched the prequels. Good so dad. when he watched Yoda fight Dooku, he was, he was like, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's just a little CGI thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. like when Sam Jackson's walking down the hall, talking to Yoda, he's talking to a tennis ball. He's not talking to a puppet. So that's why I think that's one of the things where seven, eight, nine did right. Is like almost all of the aliens are practical effects. They're mm-hmm. all the droids are practical and, and things like that. They kind of give it that more real lived in film. Now the stories are bad. So there's that, but at least the, the, the practical effects were pretty real.
0: Yeah, I kind of remember like growing up and, you know, different um, seeing something about like the special effects for like Star Wars, like the practical stuff and how like in one of the stadiums. I, I don't remember which one, but to instead of trying instead of using computer generating and generating a an audience. And no, all they wouldn't have had. What movie? What? It doesn't matter. Either way, the story was that they used like Q-tips and to be people in the stands, and then just kind of had them walk, you know, and all painted up to look like people, as opposed to using computers. So maybe that was for like the prequels that came later. I don't remember, but or a different movie. Either way, I was like, that was a smart <laughs> choice because that looks so much better. <laughs> so I'm a I'm a fan of practical effects, and I just I think that's that's definitely like one of my favorite scenes in this movie so far is just that hallway scene, the fight scene, the zero gravity stuff. And I really liked how that all kind of all, you know, timed out together with the van falling and it's like, and that's in a different level of, of dreaming. So everything happens at a different pace. And it was just really interesting. And I really, really dug it. Um, what did you think about, um, so kind of going back to Mal and mal mal, and at a certain point she starts to think that the that their world okay, so her and cobb they're they've li- they're living their life in a dream world, and they live to be old in this dream world that they create and then they start incorporating their memories so it's in that dream world that Mal starts to want to stay like that's where she what am i trying to say here yeah. <laughs> go ahead please <laughs> Yeah,
1: basically what happens is like they they go into the dream world and they're there a very very long time right yes. i mean they are there they're there so long that i think it's like 50 years or something like that because i think cobb says it like we were there for like 50 years i mean they grew old together yep so I don't know how long that would have been in the real world. I mean, it would have been a while, right? It would have been more than a – it would have been – because I don't know how far they went because they went pretty far. I mean, by the time that they – that Cobb, when they have the final confrontation at the end, that's in his subconscious. So it, it makes you think that they they didn't go one layer deep. They, went, they had to have gone a couple layers deep to get to that point so that they weren't them themselves – You know, like when they woke up, they're just on the floor. It's not like there weren't people around going, Hey, you need to wake up or something. So anyway, my point is is that they were there for such a long time that, you know, to Mal, that was reality. And Mm -hmm. so after 50 years, Cobb was like, we got to go home to our kids. Like we have to go live our lives now with our kids. And so that's where he plants the thing and then they have to kill themselves to wake up because this is the only way to, to wake up is to either what's called the kick when you when you you know like like you know just like in real life i mean in the movie he says the kick is this and tom hardy kicks the bottom of the chair of, of jgl and he does that thing where like you start to fall back right mm-hmm. i mean that's that's a real sensation right you oh, can't God, yeah. take that we've all been there we've all been the chair leaning too far back and then you know, you, you, you have to correct yourself and either you go all the way down or you, you fix it. So, so yeah, they're there for 50 years. And so when they finally wake up, Cobb's like, okay, now let's let's go live our life. But she still thinks she's in a dream. She still thinks that she's, that they have to wake up again. And so,
0: so when they come back to the real world, she thinks that she's still in like, like some dream level and that. Yeah. That's what they have to leave to get back to, quote, reality. What she thinks is reality, which is what she's probably thinking is just another dream level. Yeah. Okay. I think I got that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's why she does the thing that she does, right? So what sets everything up ultimately is that she goes to three different doctors and has herself cleared, you know, you know, clinically sane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she stages their you know the part of the hotel room like there was a fight and and leaves a note that she's like fearful for her life or whatever and so so the idea is that she's she's trying to blackmail him she's saying you can't stay here so either you jump with me and we wake up together in her mind it's we you have to wake up with me but Cobb knows, you know, this this is the level. This is the reality. And so when she jumps to and dies trying to wake up, you know, that's what, you know, forces you know, the, the authorities think that he's the one that killed her. And that's why he goes on the run and has to live in all these countries that don't have extradition treaties with, you know, the United States and, and whatever. So that's how he's that's why he does the thing that he does is that Saito then says, well, I can make a phone call and make it go away so obviously he has enough money that he can call a district attorney or something and say drop the charges Mm -hmm. so that he can go home to his kids but yeah i mean you know mal's character i mean she's she's going through hell i mean in her mind i mean just imagine you know waking up from that and looking at your children and going, they're not, you they're not my kids. Like, mm-hmm. like that would be hard for the kids. It was hard for him. And so like in that scene, when he's telling um, Adriane the whole story, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to watch, honestly, it's, it's tough. I mean, to watch your spouse go through such mental anguish that they kill themselves mm-hmm. thinking that it's the only way, the only way.
0: See, and then by the end of the movie, though, and, you know, well, the the, the end kind of leaves it open, you know, because throughout the whole thing, I'm just like, but what if Mal is right? <laughs> I was like, what if she's right? And what if this is dream? Because, again, I'm going through I'm spending like two hours and 10 minutes not trusting Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm like, there's something something else going on here. But I was wrong.
1: It like, doesn't yeah. help that like five, like for the last two or three weeks before recording, like everyone on the Internet's like, hey, you guys noticed how Leonardo doesn't date anyone <laughs> over the age of 25? So, I mean, there's.
0: And, you know, and I took that I, I was thinking about that as well. And I'm like, is this recent information in my kind of the the new way I feel about him as like, is this affecting how I'm seeing this character? Possibly but <laughs> I don't care because I still don't trust this character. i just felt like something was missing or that I was being maybe misled or something, but I just, or just anticipating too much. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't trust. So I still kind of help, ha- even by the end of the movie, I can't help, but wonder was Mal right. And is Leo still in the waking world or is he actually is all of this been in some level of a dream what are your thoughts on that or are you kind of just taking it for face value is like no no
1: (laughs) no so i okay so i've i've read some stuff about this and after now watching it several times knowing what i know here's the thing so i'm gonna give you a a hint and let's see if we can figure it out together this little journey Cobb explains, well, actually technically it was uh, Joseph explains, or Arthur explains a totem, right? Yes. And, what, what it, when, and a totem is a thing, an object that only you know can do a certain thing. And that proves that, because we're, we're in the real world now, so you carry that totem with you. And so in the real world, so that when you go into the dream, if you're not sure, you pull the thing out and it'll do something different. So like hers, she, it's a chess piece that she knocks over. I guess gravity works. I don't know what hers is supposed to do. Maybe it only falls a certain direction. I'm not sure. Yeah. He had a loaded dice. So what was Cobb's? What was Cobb's totem?
0: What was it? Okay. You know what? Because I think we talked about this. It was, it's like his ring, right?
1: It's the wedding ring because it's not the top. The top was his wife's. Yes. That was hers. So if you notice, if you go back and watch the movie, Every time he's in the dream world, he's wearing his wedding band. When he's awake, he's not. Okay. That's the totem, that he's not wearing a ring.
0: Okay. I'll have to go back and watch that final scene because I was I was more focused on, you know, the top. And then after I finished it, I was remembering back from when we were talking about this movie a little bit during, um on our last episode during Nightcrawler. And so it wasn't. So it wasn't until later. Where I was like, "Shit, I was supposed to pay attention to something else."
1: <laughs> <laughs> did we talk about this movie on Nightcrawler? Didn't really?
0: A, a little bit, and nothing That's spoilery. Because I was like, oh, "Well, I've shit. never seen it, and I think it's it's supposed to be like confusing or something." And so, uh, you you did give you did say you know pay attention to the ring, but still with no context of the movie, I was like, "I don't know what that means." And yeah. <laughs> and since it wasn't like an actual physical totem. Um, and it's just a ring, you know, a wedding ring. People wear rings. I just, it's not something that they, I was paying a lot of attention to. I'm looking at the top. I'm watching it wobble yeah. and and everything. So damn it, now I <laughs> I will rewatch it because I really really enjoyed it, I and I feel like I could pick yeah. up more as I do more rewatches.
1: Yeah, I do think that it's a, it's worth a second watch. There are a handful of movies out there that you're like. I think that are worth rewatches. We Mm -hmm. recently did for our episode, our podcast, uh, the movie, The Gentleman. And it's a Guy Ritchie film. And the moment that that movie ended, I went, ooh, I need to watch that again. Because the way the story is told, it's like, I want to see if I can pick up on some stuff ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas there have been a lot of movies for the podcast where I'm like, "Eh, I'm good. I don't want to watch that again, you know. And really good movies, too. Like, really good movies. Like, The Wrestler with Mickey mm-hmm. Rourke, right, was Oscar nominated. It's a really good movie. I never want to watch that thing again because it's depressing. Yeah. You know, The Joker. We did The Joker recently. Again, it's a really, really good movie. But I don't want to watch it again at mm-hmm. all. Like, I'm, it it is such a joyless, just, you know, movie of watching kind of the worst in humanity. I'm just. I'm good. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, I definitely need to give your uh, your guys' Joker episode a listen and hear what what you all think. Because yeah, we did a Joker episode and not just the movie Joker, but the character. And uh, But we did spend a lot of time on that movie and kind of what uh, my friend Laura and I, what we didn't like and why we didn't like it. But that's not to say it wasn't a great film and well done, mm. But I, I agree. I am in zero rush to watch that movie again. And I did actually watch it twice for the podcast because the first time I was like, eh. and then the second time I was like, all right, I'll be a little nicer. And maybe I missed something or something. But yeah, yeah, I'm good. And I agree yeah. with The Wrestler, another really well done movie, but I'm good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another I, I one I, I feel this way about. And again, we did it for the podcast and, and people are really confused by when I say this, but Wolf of Wall Street seen it one time i'm good like i know that that movie has a little bit more humor than the wrestler or the joker i mean there's some fun like legitimately fun parts that movie you know like there's they literally put a sign that says no sex in the bathroom and then there's people having sex next to the sign (laughs) in the bathroom like that's a funny bit yeah or there's some other parts that i'm not going to talk about but yeah there's some but that movie is literally nothing uh, other than watching these people just screw over all these other people and just loving life because of it i mean it's it's kind of the worst of humanity and then also watching him try to like drive away with his kids like there's just so much that movie like he's a terrible human being the character that he's playing Hmm. so i watched it one time and i'm like this is a really good movie it's going to get a high score for me i never want to watch it again
0: fair enough yeah i haven't seen that one either so I haven't watched a lot of I I just I've I need to get caught up on movies and that's kind of another reason why doing some movie series for the for the podcast is going to be a lot of fun because it helps me kind of get into that because I got sucked into TV series and I love it there, too. But I'm just like I'm I'm clearly missing a lot. (laughs) So this movie, I cannot wait to watch it again. And I I really, really, like I said, loved this movie. All right. So let's see who else, what else have we got here? So we talked about the ending and the whole concept of it. So what did you think about the Dream Heist gang that we got Arthur and Saito, Tom Hardy's character, and I love him to pieces. So when he showed up, because I forgot that he was on it when I was looking at IMDb earlier, I just wrote Tom Hardy really big. And I made the A and Hardy a heart because I am (laughs) an adult.
1: (laughs) yeah the heist gang is cool I mean you know they you know they they are kind of like what every movie when you have a heist everyone has a specialty you know Cobb is kind of the brain to the operation Arthur is kind of the the thief you know the he's really smart but you know he's kind of the problem solver kind of dude you know uh, Ariade and her character, and she's multiple cases right she's both the architect of several of the of the mazes but she's also the audience right she is yes she's us yep. and she's also kind of the conscience like she's the Jiminy Cricket of the movie right
0: yeah yeah
1: and then well uh, Wantanabe Saito you know he's the you know they make the joke you know there's no tourist on this thing right so he's literally there just to be a problem yeah right? Like, the, he, like, that's all he is. I mean, from the first moment he sh- he gets in the dream, he gets shot. So he he causes a problem for the rest of the trip. Tom Hardy is great. He's the cocky, arrogant, you know, he's the military guy. You know, he he's on ski. I mean, it's a Bond movie for like, for like 20 minutes, right? He's exactly. on skis, throwing grenades at guys. I mean, like, like the, the guy's in the truck, right? And he throws the grenade. I mean, he looks at the grenade and then looks up. Like he almost looked at the camera and went, wah, wah, you know, and, <laughs> and blew up. And, and that was great. I was here for it, you know? So, and then uh, Yusuf, he's basically his job in the movie is to just be the guy behind the wheel. Uh, but he does have a funny moment where they flip over and then land on the wheels. And then he looks back at the guys and goes, hey, did you see that? You know, yeah. like, <laughs> it's a funny bit. It is. It is. It's a funny bit. <laughs> So yeah, it, the gang is great. I mean, it's, you know, it. they're not as, as charismatic as you know, like an oceans 13 or whatever, or oceans 11, but it's a fun group and it's, it's really well acted. Michael Caine, of course, he's only in it for a little bit, but he's great. And uh, you know, Tom, even Tom Berenger, you know, shows up for five yeah. minutes to get a paycheck and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess you're, You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those movies where, like, you see Tom Berenger, you go, are you done making bad movies? Like, what are you doing here? (laughs) You know, it was kind of weird, right? Because he makes movies like Sniper, One, Two, Three, and 4, and, Mm -hmm. like, made for TV movies. And all of a sudden, he shows up in this blockbuster thing. You go, oh, like, maybe he's just friends with somebody. You know, maybe Christopher Nolan is a fan or something. It was just kind (laughs) of strange. So, now the cast is great. I mean, it's a really good cast. And it's also weird. I'm looking at the girl that plays Philippa, who is five in the movie. She is now uh, 21. <laughs> and, uh, you know, well, she's grown up. She's an adult now. And she's she's still making movies. She was in an episode of The Goldbergs. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, well, I would say she's doing a lot of stuff. But she did a lot of stuff as a child. Now she's just kind of, you know, doing her thing she took some time off so anyway there she is that's the actor anyway my point is yeah it's a great cast I can't yeah it's a great cast
0: yeah I I loved it when I was first looking looking up the movie and everything and I'm scrolling because I knew you know I knew Leo was in it and uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt and as I'm scrolling through I was like I see Tom Hardy and I see Elliot Page and Ken Watanabe I was like Oh, my God. (laughs) I had no idea all these people were in this movie. And they all did a really great job. I loved I loved the Dream Heist gang. And they had, you know, you're right. It's not like an oceans or where they've got they can be a little silly or whatever, but there's still really good chemistry there. They still were able just worked really well off of each other. And I rooted. I was rooting for everyone. I didn't want Saito to die. I was like, "You guys need to get him, wake him up, and make sure he's okay and everything." Because <laughs> if he dies, I'm gonna be very, very upset. Yeah. So I'm glad that didn't happen. And yeah, I was really rooting for everyone. And even like Cillian Murphy, and I know he wasn't really part of the Dream Heist gang per se he kind he's of... the
1: mark like he's yes he's the mark like he's there they're there to con him but he's still kind of an endearing character you don't mm. hate him right? right like again this is a movie void of of bad guys right yeah. i mean even wantanabe who i mean like so the guy that was the architect at the very beginning of the movie that caused things to go bad mm. sideways Nash, right I mean, obviously he got beat the hell up and then they, they turned on him and he says, I'll give you, if you want, you can shoot him. You can kill him. And Leo's like, that's not how we work. And he goes, all right. So then they just, they go let him, whatever. He's like, what's going to happen to him? He's like, well, I'm sure that other company will probably kill him. Right. So you're like, Oh, he's kind of a bad guy. Right. Cause he's also yeah. kind of blackmailing Cobb into doing the job, but then you're, you, you're kind of endeared to him because like for me, the the moment where like you you're kind of okay with him. it's like he's explaining. He goes, "Look, this company is huge. They're about to become a monopoly, a world leader in energy, and we can't have that. And like that's bad for the world to have mm-hmm. just one company in charge of the majority of the energy. I'm like as Americans, we can get behind that. That makes sense. We, you know, our history as Americans aren't we're not great at history, but we can remember the you know monopolies of, oil and oil barons and newspapers and stuff and go Mm -hmm. yeah okay we can get behind that and then he has a great punchline when he says they said well you're gonna have to buy the whole first class of the airplane he goes i bought the airline Mm -hmm. and they all just kind of look at it he goes i thought it was important you know like it's a it's a funny line (laughs) that this guy can buy an airline you know
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, I loved it. And at first, yeah, I thought he was going to be a baddie and that, you know, just kind of, yeah, be, be the antagonist or something, but he wasn't. And along, and somewhere around, I, yeah, I think maybe around the same time, I was just like, you know what? Yeah. When he bought the air, airline, I was like, I like him. Yeah. I like him and his airplane money. Yeah. And <laughs> And so then by the end of the movie and everything, where we get to the point towards the end where we're back to how the movie starts, and it's all kind of come back around where Leo's there to save Saito and bring him back up. Because at first, you know, the way it opens, Leo's on the beach, and my first note's like, huh, Leo on a beach. We've seen that movie. Yeah. The beach. <laughs> and – uh he goes and meets Saito and he's all old and everything. And he's like, Are you here to kill me? And I was like, Oh, he's probably the bad guy. Right away. They give that they're yeah. they are misleading us. So maybe that's part of the reason why too. I was like, I don't know if I trust Leo, because they were they did that to me a couple of other times. So but I I was really happy. Everyone lived and I was really happy with um Cillian Murphy's character, Robert Fisher, and even the relationship with his dad and how that all kind of panned out because I'm glad that it ended up not being that it ended up on a happier note that his dad was more disappointed that his son tried so hard to be like him who was maybe not the best person maybe not the best father and kind of giving Fisher that happier moment that happier memory so that made me really really happy I was like I'm so glad that the dad wasn't a piece of shit and didn't double down on the whole like nope you suck you're a disappointment and he had the pinwheel in i was like oh <laughs> i was like well, what a sweet moment i wasn't expecting it so i was like
1: yes yeah, so remember it's not real <laughs> you know, i like,
0: know damn it, it, was... it sean <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think paul Stilway's character you know that originally was how he was he probably was you're you're a disappointment because you're not as good as I am. That probably was the real guy. And what we saw at the end of the movie there for Cillian Murphy to have that kind of cathartic moment, that was the projection. That wasn't real. Um, but what was interesting is because they because the way they explained it in the movie is that like it wasn't Tom Hardy acting as him. He wasn't in his ability to change himself, right, into mm-hmm. Tom Berenger, because he did that. Because when they got into level two, Tom Berenger's character showed up, but as a projection. Yes. He was a pro- an, an idea that they planted at level one and showed up. So by the time you get to level three, all they have to do as the architects is to plant the piece of paper idea of breaking up the will to break up the company and the pinwheel. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Tom Hardy Uh-oh. put the pinwheel in there.
0: Yep, because he had the, the way- picture.
1: But the, but the moment there, that was technically Cillian Murphy's subconscious driving that notion from the conversation he had with fake Tom Berenger mm-hmm. in the previous level. So, y- you know, it's, Ugh. you have to think, I mean, you do have to think about it, right? You kind of get into it, but, yeah. you know,
0: Ugh. You're absolutely right. And I totally bought into it. And I was like, yay, a deep subconscious happy memory.
1: Yeah. Uh, But but... again, to your point, I mean, you're making the er sound, but to Cillian Murphy, it's real. Yeah. The feeling that he, when he wakes up in the airplane, right, he obviously doesn't have a memory, a real memory of, you know, warm and fuzzy moments with dad. But now he has this idea in his mind that, okay, maybe dad wasn't so bad. Yeah. Maybe I'm misremembering a little bit. Maybe he actually did love me. And maybe I should break up the company and be my own man and try to try to start from you know things like that. So I think that's okay, right? Yeah. I mean they they did. I mean they even they make they make uh Tom Hardy makes a joke in the movie He's like we're we're doing like therapy for him. I think he should be paying us. Yeah. as, as opposed to Saito, you know. He we you know like we're we're fixing years of Bad relationship. So anyway, it just when you like you think about it that way, it's almost like it's a good thing we don't have this technology. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, who knows? I mean, of course, you know somebody would weaponize it, but
0: absolutely, <laughs>
1: it, it's kind of a crazy idea to think if that could be real.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like I don't like the idea of it possibly being real because that's too scary. But I like it in fiction. Sure. Just like just like everything else in Black Mirror, it's fine in the Black Mirror universe, but when motherfuckers try and bring that shit into the real world, it's like, <laughs> no, you weren't paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> things did not end well for them.
1: <laughs> well, like, so we recently in 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 real world news, mm-hmm. you know, they recently NASA crashed that satellite into or that projectile into an asteroid to change its trajectory a little bit, mm-hmm. and and so like. All the comments I've been seeing were like, "Congrats, that's awesome! Yay for us, humanity! Woo!" And then somebody was like, "This is how the the end of the world starts, right? Like, this is the beginning of the movie, and now that asteroid that they moved is gonna go into the path of something else. It's gonna go into something else that's eventually gonna come. Like, we're the cause of our own demise, kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like, oh, now that you said that, I just ruined my day.
0: <laughs> yeah, damn it. Right? <laughs> yeah." That was pretty cool, though. We watched, my son and I watched the uh, little video for it and everything. And then scrolling through the comments, I think I saw someone make, like, a Bruce Willis Armageddon yeah. joke. Bruce Willis did it first or something. I was like, oh, you're funny.
1: Well, like, in the movie, right, even in Armageddon, they're like, well, why don't we just basically do what NASA just did? And the mm-hmm. guy goes, that's a terrible idea. W- well, why? Well, because the movie needs it to be a bad idea. Exactly. Know? Like.
0: <laughs> we need to put just you know non-astronauts you know drillers on an asteroid and just do it that way because that makes so much more sense
1: yeah i mean there's there's a famous like piece of trivia or behind the scenes where ben affleck is on set going really michael bay it would be easier to put put men on the asteroid and drill it instead of just blowing it up with nukes he's like shut up ben
0: yep you know? <laughs>
1: it makes for a fun movie like that's just a popcorn movie again and that's a movie where it's like you have to turn your brain off and mm-hmm. just enjoy the ride otherwise you know you're gonna be asking questions like Ben Affleck
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah my son seems to have a thing for Michael but at least the Transformer movies because he won't stop watching those we watch I remember
1: the- you posting the other day that you were watching the the fourth one I think and saying that like this is a bad movie but Stanley Tucci is a treasure. Yeah. And
0: I was drunk. <laughs> that's my excuse.
1: <laughs> I mean that's fair. You're not wrong, but I mean those movies because we did that one. We did we did that one um specifically. And yeah it's it's a bad movie, but I do remember uh liking Stanley Tucci's you know his his role mm-hmm. in that movie because like it's like a three hour long movie. First, yeah. of
0: all. unnecessary. And
1: the part that I hated the most, and this is saying something, is that they spent like ten minutes of movie time on this whole idea that Mark Wahlberg's daughter is seventeen and her boyfriend is nineteen. But in Texas, if they're sleeping together before he became eighteen. Which means that the movie is telling us that while she was fifteen, he was seventeen. They were banging, and now that they're nineteen and she's seventeen, that's okay because Texas says so. Like the movie spent so much time on that. Just just make her eighteen and be yeah. done with it.
0: Yeah. No shit.
1: Yeah, like that's a that's a low point in my opinion for Michael Bay. But yeah, I have somewhere in my library of uh, of, of clips here. So the the, the, uh, Stanley Tucci saying really funny things from that movie and I wish I could find it quickly but (laughs) he's really great I think most of my clips are of him saying things like I don't know what he says but anyway I didn't label them very well apparently
0: (laughs) yeah Stanley Tucci was the only thing keeping me going through that movie and then I eventually just got too dizzy and then The kid went to bed and I was like, oh, thank God. And I saw your comment. You're just like, oh, my God, go to bed. Yeah, I did shortly after. So. (laughs) all right. Enough about Michael Bay and Transformers and the one with all the knights and stuff. That one was fucking weird. All right. Well, I think we'll go ahead and start moving towards our um, start wrapping it up. So this is where I would like to showcase indie podcasters. So if you are an indie podcaster and you have a promo, feel free to send it to mystreamingbubble at gmail.com and you will be featured in the wrapping it up portion, the Midwest goodbye. And it's just (laughs) my little small way of trying to help support other indie podcasters. So, um, I, I only have a I only have a couple right now, so I'm just going to wait until I have a nice little collection of them and then kind of start tossing them in as rotations. So until I get a few more we'll go ahead and start with our stray bubbles, and this is the last chance to bring something up that was missed like scenes episodes quotes or notes. So Sean is there, do you have any stray bubbles with this movie, do you think you got it all out, do you think you did it justice.
1: Well, I think it does help that I didn't have to explain the movie to you. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times where the, that last show I was on, they were like, I don't understand it. I'm, and I'm just, I'm trying not to get frustrated, but it's like, I don't understand what you don't understand. This exactly. isn't a complicated movie. Um, I, I also hope that they don't listen to this episode, but I don't really think so. I mean, again, the the movie is, a, it, it it is kind of a complicated movie. You, you do have to pay attention to this movie. But it's a movie that you can have a good time with and enjoy the storytelling, you know, just the storytelling of the movie. And as long as you kind of know what, you know, what level you're on, you're fine. The other thing we haven't mentioned mm-hmm. is, is the, the, the soundtrack, the score. Hans Zimmer wrote the score for this. It's, it's really, really great. I mean, it, it is, it's Hans Zimmer, so it's almost always going to be great. But it's, that, it's the, this movie, the music just constantly drives it. It gives it tension. It mm-hmm. gives it energy. Like you're kind of on the edge of your seat just watching this movie because the music is so intense. So, yeah, Hans Zimmer nails it. And then my last thing, I have to do this for my Cheap Seat Review fans, is that, of course, is that Tom Hardy is our Star Trek connection for this episode.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Because which one? Which one was he in?
1: He was in Nemesis. Nemesis, was that's feature correct. film debut. <laughs> what that one. He's a young guy. He's like twenty one in that movie too. He's
0: such a little baby.
1: He's I a forgot- little dude in that. He because he he would later bulk up for lots of different roles, but he's a little skinny guy.
0: Oh, I forgot he was in that. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the music because I actually did kind of I did have a quick note about. Um, the music in addition to some of the scenes. And I don't remember which scene it was exactly, but I I mean, it wasn't like anything exciting was happening. It wasn't uh, the chase scene, you know, the car chase scene or any kind of fight sequence or anything like that. I think they were just moving from just simply one scene to another. Someone was walking through a set of doors. Tom Berenger's character, not in the dream world, but when we're first, I think we first kind of introduced to Robert Uh, Fisher and his dying dad the way he walks through the door that all felt like a dream and there was something about the music I think with that scene felt very quickly paced and there was like a beat in it that kind of sounded like a heartbeat a little bit in the background I I don't remember exactly all I know is I started getting anxiety and nothing was happening it was just moving from scene to scene and I all of a sudden I'm just like what's my heart doing? (laughs) Why am I so nervous? What the fuck is going on? And then I kind of tuned into the music and everything. And I think that's what was setting me off was the way it just carries you from scene to scene. And like I said, it is two and a half hours, but I kind of, it almost didn't feel like two and a half hours because I thought it moves very well. I didn't really feel like there was like a dull or a lull in in any part of the movie, even when they're, having to maybe kind of slow things down and explain a little bit of the plot or answer some questions through Elliot's character, whatever. Everything felt like it had its purpose and kept things going. And I didn't get bored. I was like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, like I said, just really trying to pay attention. I'm like, I really need to understand this movie. God, I hope I understand this movie. I think I did an okay job. But yeah, the Just, I think the combination with it being in a dream and not really knowing what's real and then the music, the score with that, just, it it got to me. (laughs) I got nervous and scared and literally nothing was happening. (laughs) Right. I I remember that because I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Uh, Let's see. And I think I thought I had one other note no i think that's gonna be that'll that's about it for me i think we've covered it all so oh yes and there's that meme with leo and cillian murphy and the go deeper and he, leo's eyes get squinty so i was like haha i get it now yeah <laughs> it's like it's so so fun to see a meme out in the wild like that
1: yeah it is kind of fun when that happens like like the like the one when we did nightcrawler right where we yes. see Jake Gyllenhaal hall like laughing and point to the guy it's like hey that's where that meme comes from yep. yeah, that now. <laughs> see I have a weird self rule that I don't use a meme unless I've seen where it comes from
0: hmm.
1: it's just a weird thing for me like like I feel like if I'm going to use it I need to know its origin story I don't know why again I know I'm weird there it's it's a me thing I totally know it and own it it's fine but that's just how I am
0: You know, I get that. I can't wear, I can't wear like shirts or anything like that of any like shows or movies or books that I haven't actually consumed. And even if, like, I haven't read American Gods or watched the show. And even if I had watched the show, like, I've seen Shadow and Bone, but I haven't read the books. So they got Shadow and Bone t shirts for the books, but I'm like, I can't, I feel like I can't wear that because I've only watched the series. And I've overthought this to the point where I'm like, maybe it has something to do with like 80s kids 80s 90s kids where for a while there was like a big thing about kind of a fear about being called out as a poser yeah right and so I think that's what it is is that I don't want to be I don't want to be called or accused of being a poser so I can't wear those things or I can't you know do those things or share that meme I get it so I think that's what I think (laughs) we're just so scarred
1: that, yeah, that, that that's actually really interesting. And I think there, there might be something to that. Um, just because it's so funny seeing. So like I work at a community college. And I can't tell you how many times I'll see and I call them kids, right? Because these are some of them could be 16. Because there's there is a, a high school It's called middle college there and in, in several of the campuses. So there could be 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And occasionally, there'll be you know, a mid-twenties mom or dad there with their young child there. Just, you have to take classes when you can and you can't always get babysitting services and that's fine. And so I'll be walking down the the, sidewalk and I'll see a 14-year-old wearing a Nirvana Mm t-shirt. And so I'm like, in the back of my mind, I go, do they actually know who Nirvana is? Mm -hmm. Or do they just think the shirt's cool? And then I think I saw recently on Twitter, like recently that like Gen X just likes to wear shirts from, you know, bands and stuff, but they don't listen to the music, you know? Cause, cause like I, I saw about you know, a few months ago, a little kid, like a little kid, four-year-old kid walking down the street with mom holding hand. And he was wearing the Nirvana shirt that had the smiley face, like mm-hmm. spray paint on it. And I'm like, well, I know that he hasn't listened <laughs> to that. So it's just it's like, to me, that's, that's interesting because I would never put my kids into clothes of things that I liked, meaning, you know, like my favorite band is a ska band, right? It's a ska band. And I have t-shirts of them. Now, if they made shirts that would fit this, my son, I would not buy that and put it in my son. Now no one would know who it is because they're pretty uh, obscure band, but you know, I wouldn't put uh, my son in a weird Al t-shirt because that's my thing,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? So anyway, that's just, uh, uh, it's a me decision. I'm not, not saying anything bad towards people that do that. Do your own thing, live your life, whatever. Yeah, it's just yeah, a me yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. No, I get that. I, I totally was one of those parents that was like, you're going to wear the Sublime shirt and the ACD shirt, DC shirt. Yeah. Because that's what mommy and daddy like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, eventually they get old enough and it's, you get them what they want and that's fine. But sure. it was you know, cause they're just, they're an extension of you. So it's like, I, that's what I listen to. And that's what I'm, that's how I'm going to try and raise my kid. Also the shirt was on sale. Um.
1: There's that too. <laughs> yeah, do, do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no, whatever. It's just, it wasn't a thing that we did. So
0: yeah, exactly. uh, I was always,
1: I was always very proud of it. This is going to get a little, you know, heady, but I was always very proud. Look, looking at, at 40 years old, looking back at my teen years, that my dad did not project onto me his dreams and desires. You know, like I remember, I remember being young enough when I was going into the sixth grade, picking out an instrument to play in the band. And dad's like, pick whatever you want to play. I don't care. Just, you know, if you want to be in band, then pick an instrument. And I picked not his instrument. He played French horn. I wanted to play baritone and he was okay with that. My dad was a band director. You know, he was a music major. And my dad was one of the best French horn players I have ever been around. And I went to a school of music. So the fact that he didn't project on me, I always remembered and I told him that. And so I always, was, I'm very cognizant of not to do that with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, my son is going into the fourth grade or is in the fourth grade now. But last year, I remember my third grade year being shit. It was awful. I hated it. I got bullied. Uh, I didn't like my teacher. I have strong emotions, but I never told my son that because I didn't want him to think, ooh, third grade sucked for dad, so it's going to suck for me. Mm-hmm. And third grade for him was great because he got to move up into what's called AIG. He got to be in a play. Like, all these great things happened for him in third grade that I didn't get to experience, and I'm glad that I got out of his way, you know? Mm-hmm. So, again, that's just, you know, that was a weird little little tangent there, you know, parenting tips from from Sean, but <laughs> those are just how we do things so
0: right right on i feel like our generation we learned a lot from the the steps and missteps of past generations so i i'd make it very much in a point to try my best not to repeat the same things my parents did and to like you allow my kids a little bit more freedom and and choice and everything and it's really really what it boils down to for me anyways is picking and choosing my battles is this going to be worth getting into a, a fight and having my kid be mad or anything? Like, no, it's not. So mm. I I'll save it for when I really need them to like do as I say, or whatever the situation may be. So, all right. So that was quite the stray bubble. I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move on to the next segment. And that is the six degrees of Nicolas Cage, the inception edition. So we will get to Nicolas Cage in six steps or less sean how did you do
1: i only did one because um well i only did one so and it's a little bit of a cheat again but i got it in one step
0: very good all right let's go
1: so we mentioned the music composer han zimmer mm-hmm. he wrote the music for this movie and he also wrote the music for the rock starring Nicolas cage
0: very good i never think to go like composers because i go actors i don't even go directors so oh i bet there's a lot of like one-step connections there's through that way
1: yeah i tried to i was trying to think outside the box a little bit because i couldn't find any single steps with actors Mm -hmm. and and it's weird as it is this is an ensemble cast but this isn't a big cast for the movie like there's not you know, I mean, most once you get past the the heist crew and, you know, postal weight, everyone else is just guy in the street security mm-hmm. guard guy on the mountain. You know, like there's just a lot of I think the only like the only other person in the movie that even has a speaking role is the woman that Tom Hardy is pretending to be for a, a oh, moment. Yep. You know, like like there is very few other speaking roles either you're part of the, the the main i guess like eight or you're an extra two four six eight ten twelve you're either part of the twelve or you're not in the movie You know, or you're an extra mm-hmm. so when you have a movie that's kind of small like that it was kind of hard to find an actor that was just a, a level one
0: right yeah i i tried a couple of different routes i was shooting for three um but i got two so my first one is i just went with leo because i was like that's just i need a win i was trying to go a route with Elliot page and i just kept running into i just couldn't couldn't figure it out in time because of course for some reason i always leave these to the last minute um, i work really well under pressure so with leo um leonardo dicaprio as Cobb, he was in the movie shutter island as teddy daniels and also in that movie that is a good movie i like that movie too Uh, is John Carroll Lynch, who played Deputy Warden McPherson, and he is in Con Air as Prison Guard Walton.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks.
0: Uh, The other one that I have, I went Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and to kind of keep with the theme of movies I hadn't seen, that's what I... I intentionally picked movies that I have not seen. So JGL was uh, in the movie Knives Out as Detective Hard Rock, or at least he voices that detective. Yeah. Um, and also in that movie is Michael Shannon as Walt Thrombe. And Michael Shannon was in Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans as Munt with Nicolas Cage.
1: All right, right on.
0: All right, and lastly, Sean, what has been streaming in your bubble?
1: Well, mostly movies for the podcast, right? Um, we, we said recently we did Joker. We also did Men in Black and The Gentleman, the original Men in Black. Obviously, we did Clueless recently too, which you listened to, um, which was a lot of fun. As far as non, non-podcast-related things, though I will say this, I will tease, you're coming on the podcast in about five weeks. We're going to do The World's End, um, though i have some bad news for you i hate to break it to you on the podcast but because of the way some of the numbers have worked out you're no longer going to be episode 420 what <laughs> I, know. I know i'm so sorry
0: oh man that's a bummer I'm it still is. excited to be on, but I was really looking forward to being episode 420.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a dumb thing. Basically, I have a group of movies that I want to release in October only, and then mm. November is going to have its own thing. So if it's, if it's because of that, the Gentleman episode that we just did, is actually getting moved all the way to December. Oh. And that's episode 415, which would have meant yours would have been 420. But now, so I know it's a weird little thing to be upset about, <laughs> but. It is. Oh,
0: that's all right. It's for some reason, it kind of feels a little fitting that uh, I missed the 420 by just a little bit. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, my my youngest son, original due date was 420. And of course, naturally was late. So but he shares a birthday with Joker, the character Joker. And when Joker made his first debut and that child holds on to that fun fact a little too hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little scary.
1: <laughs> that's funny. That's actually really funny. I like that. Um that's funny. Yeah, uh yeah, that that April that week there between like April mm, 10th through 425 is there's a lot of weird stuff that week in history and other birthdays, you know, like you know, I mean, I'm 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 April 16th, so like I have the day after Tax Day, right? Which is great. But like you have the 14th, which is the day the Titanic sank, right? Oh yeah. And yeah, right. And then you have April. Oh, I want to take this wrong. April 15th, text. April April. Yeah, 4:20. April 20th is Columbine, mm-hmm. as well as I think like Hitler's birthday. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of weird stuff in that month or that 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 week. It's good. It's a good time yeah good time in history
0: (laughs) lots of fun yeah Yeah, my husband's birthday is april 8th father-in-law is uh he's a he was a he is a april fools an april fools baby nice and then the rest of like our birthdays are all in march and april so spring is gets very very expensive yeah so yeah um so let's see we've been watching oh the husband and i started watching jackass forever last night because ah those jackass boys we used to watch that shit all the time and so turned it on figured out what the hell because when i watched the trailer i got nostalgic and i was like oh look at them all old and still kicking each other in the nuts so we started it and i laughed so hard it it was, I don't know, it, it it's either jackass is your thing or it's not, and that's fine. But we enjoyed it, and I was, like, in tears, but I was also, like, gagging and really grossed out and kind of half screaming in a blanket because some things I just didn't like. But <laughs> that's what you get with the jackass boys. So we started, started watching that, and we've still been watching a lot of Star Trek. Um, got the kid hooked on Lower Decks. So nice. he's lower da- is great. Oh my god! Every day the eleven the eleven year old comes home and he is that that lower decks gif. He's like lower decks, lower decks. I'm like yeah. So and staying current on House of the Dragons, a few things here and there, yeah. and then pod prep. So keeping busy.
1: Yeah, I I went on my own tangent with our um, <laughs> with, with you know telling about you october is going to be a fun month for us but i've also been we've been watching uh my wife and i don't watch a lot of tv together but we have been watching she hulk
0: oh yes yeah
1: i mean i'm I'm enjoying it i like you for what it is i don't Mm -hmm. understand the hate i don't understand why people are so mad get over it she twerked whatever it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. um i've also been watching uh we watched the first two episodes of andor
0: oh yeah yeah we watched uh, the first episode of that yep
1: yeah and all I'll say to that is that I, I didn't realize in the time that it's a 12 episode series because, uh, you know, Obi-Wan or Kenobi was so uh, six. like six episodes. Yeah. So when, when I saw this was 12, I'm like, that's why this is a slow burn because the, there's not a whole lot that happens even in that second episode.
0: Yeah. Okay. They're
1: they're, they're taking their time. They've already greenlit episode, season two also.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. That's they've cool. already greenlit season two. So they, they plan on taking this maybe right up to the events of rogue one
0: nice which now, would wasn't, make sense. now wasn't kenobi supposed to just be like a one-off series like um
1: i don't know i mean there's there's a lot that they could explore there i i kind of liked it but i also kind of didn't i i have kind of mixed feelings about it because it just i don't know it like it was well done and i you know you and mcgregor can just act the man can act he's so good but there's there's i don't know i don't, I don't want to I don't, I don't want to get into any spoiler stuff with it it just mm. the ending just left me kind of annoyed because i don't know i don't, I don't want to get into it it's sure. fine
0: <laughs> Sorry, i don't I want your listeners coming
1: uh, no no it's fine i just don't want your listeners like oh my gosh you spoiled you know that show for me or whatever so anyway yeah. just go watch it it's it's good
0: yeah, I, I enjoyed Kenobi. I liked it. I didn't love it. and But I was under the impression that it was a limited series and that it was just going to be the one season and the six episodes, which I thought was fine. And I was like, that's, I mean, you're, they absolutely, there's so much more they can explore and that's great and everything. But at the same time, I kind of want, when they say something's going to be a limited series or a one season, leave it at that just you know yeah the people want more but isn't it better to leave them wanting more than to keep going and just until you just like nod all the way like just nod on it and there's no more like flavor left or anything that's kind of where where i'm at with it it's like yeah so i don't know we'll see if they do have a second season of kenobi i can't remember if they will we'll probably watch it so yeah i'm with
1: you I, i probably will too i I I consume all of the Star Wars stuff. I've enjoyed it. I mean, I, I enjoyed the Bad Batch cartoon and I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka series. And I'm I, I, my son found out today, he goes, Dad, do you think they're going to have Ezra Bridger in Ahsoka? I said, they've already cast somebody. He goes, Ezra's going to be in Ahsoka series? And I said, yes. He goes, Dad, you have to let me watch that one. <laughs> we, we haven't let him watch... We haven't let him watch, you know, Mando or or Boba Fett or any of that. And I know that those shows are for kids. We kind of wanted to watch it to see how violent it was going to be.
0: Sure, yeah. You got to uh, check that yeah, stuff.
1: Just kind of get an idea. And it's like, oh, it's not really any more violent than any of the other shows, any of the other Star Wars stuff. So he could probably watch that stuff, mm-hmm. um, though we have not let him watch episode three yet. We're not quite ready to let him watch Anakin, you know, kill children.
0: Right. Yeah, that yeah. one's, yeah.
1: It's a little. I mean, it's it was the first to be PG thirteen for a reason. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, anyway, sorry, I keep derailing again. Like you said, it's a Midwest goodbye. We do this. We do the same thing in the South. We're just usually there's sweet tea involved.
0: (laughs) Right on. Well, this has been a blast, and thank you so much, Sean, for joining me today and talking me through this dreamy wee me heisty movie this was a lot of fun it was a heist it was i yeah i enjoyed it a lot and thank you so much um so before we leave did you would you like to go ahead and do a little self promotion
1: yeah sure so i am sean a host of cheap seat reviews the podcast that explores the hollywood film industry for the greater good uh the episode that you'll be on again it will be episode 419 so we've been doing this for a long time we, we focus on movies that are streaming on the kind of major platforms. We watch anything. If you uh, have a request, feel free and we will do it. And uh, yeah, we're pretty excited. The end of the year is coming up for us. We've got some great guests lined up and always looking for, uh, for something fun to do. So yeah, come check us out. Cheapseatreviews.com or well, com is our website.
0: Excellent. Well, Thank you again, Sean, and thank you, Bubblies, for listening, and now go make sure you check out Cheap Seat Reviews, and keep streaming. Bye. You can say goodbye.
1: Oh, bye. <laughs> I, can't do, I can't do your bye. You can Excuse.
0: do a bye. You can do bye however you want.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Uh, bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at StreamingBubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as MyStreamingBubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at MyStreamingBubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search MyStreamingBubble over at BuyMeACoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase MyStreamingBubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.